Bob and praise team. And uh, I think Bob misspoke. I don't want there to be any confusion. Sue Perry is, is still okay. Sue Piles passed away. And uh, we're still praying for Sue Perry, and she's dealing with things, but I didn't want there to be any confusion. And uh, trust me, you get up here and talk enough, every once in a while you misspeak. Amen, Bob? Amen, Todd? And uh, as a matter of fact, you'll probably catch me doing about three or four this morning. And so uh, just, just tell me after. I just love to hear uh, how I've messed up. And uh, <laughs> it's July 4th, almost July 4th, July 2nd, and so we'll be celebrating on... Uh, Tuesday, and there's having fireworks at the church and, and inviting people, having free hot dogs and inviting our community, our neighbors to come and join us. So I hope you can do that. But we celebrate July 4th. We, we celebrate Independence Day. We celebrate the legacy of this country. I am unashamedly a patriot as far as the United States. I, I, I love our history. I, I love the heritage of our country. I think there is a distinct difference between the dream of America and the American dream, and maybe sometime I'll talk uh, more in depth about that. I, I think sometimes we get those two things confused, but this dream of America, this place of freedom and liberty, where we can come to a place like this and share openly, and we have the freedom to, to follow God, that is a tremendous thing, and I am forever thankful for the legacy that we have in this place. Um, we, we, we have, in the first service, usually we have a couple World War II veterans that still attend with us, and, and, and they're few and far be between. And so I, I, I think it's appropriate on a July 4th to be thankful for those who've served and have allowed us to have the freedom. Why don't we give our veterans a hand this morning? Aren't you thankful for them? I'm proud of, of the dream of America. I, I'm, I'm proud of that vision and the legacy that we live in. But, but there's a lot of legacies we live in. I, uh, last week we were at General Assembly. Terry and I went. And, and we like to go because we, we see people that we haven't seen for years. And, and you know, I, it seems like I'm seeing less and less, fewer and fewer people that, that I know. And, and I think what I'm realizing, Terry, it kind of hit me. It's not that they're not there, but they're aging like I am, so I no longer recognize recognize them when they walk by, uh, but, but we like to go there. We see, I, I am a third generation, and I, I don't know if this is a badge of honor or a badge of shame, but I am a third generation Nazarene. That's all I've ever known, and our boys are fourth generation, both Terry and I, and so we see lots of people, and I'm thankful for the legacy of my church, what it means. Um, Dr. Warwick spoke on Sunday morning, and and he said, I, I am so thankful to be a Nazarene. He goes, sometimes our church is a mess, <laughs> but I'm thankful for it nonetheless. I am thankful for the church. Even though sometimes it's a mess, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for this church. Sometimes we're a mess. You know, if you didn't say amen, you're probably part of the problem. No. <laughs> we're a mess at times but I'm thankful for the legacy of this place. I'm thankful for the people that had a vision nearly 60 years ago to start a Sunday school in a, in a small, in a living room on 6th Street and, and to begin the legacy that we enjoy here. I see Susan back there, and I'm thankful for Max Case and, and the legacy that I get to, to, to live within uh, because of the service of Max and Paul Point One and all the other pastors that have went ahead and all the other laity that have served in such a tremendous way in this church. We live in, we have the benefits of the legacy of those who've went before us, and we should be thankful for that. Now, 
I'm getting older. And I know you're saying, oh, no, pastor, you're not getting older. You're getting younger, right? Okay. I'm getting older. I'm 54 years old. And so maybe this is a product of, of, you know, I've I've got 10 less or plus years left of ministry. I'm, I'm closer to the end of my ministry than I am the beginning. I know that seems impossible because uh, I look so young and, uh, and vibrant. But, uh, you know, I, I'm beginning to think about legacy and, and what I'm leaving behind. But, but you think about that in a, a number of ways. You think about that with your families. Uh, you know, now, now Wyatt's older, 23. Am I right? 23. He, he's in his 20s. And, uh, you know, he's raised and married and serving in the ministry in Portland, Oregon. We got somebody else from Portland here today. Yeah, yeah. But he's in Portland, and, you know, I, I, he's pretty much, I've done all the damage I can with him. Uh, Dylan's out and about. You know, he's in college. He's only home a few weeks, and, and you never know when, when he'll move on to, the, to, to that next step of life. And all I've got left to mess with is poor Spencer. Uh, but we think about the legacy that we're leaving in our family. We, we want to leave a positive legacy behind in our family. We, we want to leave, I believe, we want to leave a legacy even in our communities, our neighborhoods, at work. When you're done at your workplace, you want people to think or you want to feel like you've accomplished something positive there, amen, <laughs> at school. Uh, I hope our students think, well, I want to leave a good legacy even at school. Branch Rickey said, what matters most is not the honor that you take with you, but the heritage you leave behind. And I think all of us should have that awareness that that we are leaving something behind by the way we live our lives. And I don't know about you. I, I think you're probably just like me. What I want to leave behind is something good and positive and edifying and something that furthers the kingdom of God. So I want you guys to say this with me. Can you say this with me? The choices I make today will affect my legacy. On this Sunday, the choices that you make will have an effect on the legacy that you leave. It could be negative. It could be positive. I think it could be neutral. It could be something that doesn't advance or doesn't hurt. But it has an effect on the legacy that you're going to leave behind. The choices, the, the, the decisions, the things that we do today. Proverbs 13:22 says, "The good leave an inheritance to their children's children." Now, I think we have to have a context to this scripture. Uh, this is written many, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. It's, it's written to the, the, the people in Israel trying to possess and possessing the promised land. And, and, and so when, when he's talking about this inheritance, it's, it's not big bank accounts. It's not a bunch of stock in the stock market that, that the, the, the proverb writer is talking about. In the context of this, he, he's talking about leaving land. He's talking about leaving livestock to his children's children, to his grandchildren or her grandchildren, so that they can possess and be productive in the promised land. He's not leaving a big account so they can sit around and play video games all day. I'm sorry. (laughs) But he's leaving the ability to be productive people in the kingdom of God and the promised land. Can we modernize this? It's, it's, it's not just about money. Don't, don't get me wrong. Money is neutral. Money is neither evil or good. It's, it's our love for money that's evil. 
And it's how we use money, how we use these resources that is evil or good. So, so money is neutral. And so if your desire is to leave an inheritance for your kids, there's nothing wrong with that. A money, monetary inheritance, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But, but that money can be used either good, positively or negatively. But we're doing more than leaving money. I believe if we were to modernize this, the goal is to leave productive, leave productive kingdom people. That, that somehow the legacy we create goes beyond grandchildren, goes beyond children, and, and we leave this environment where those who follow us can productively serve and be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, I really like this. Good people have a lasting impact on the kingdom of God. In other words, we encourage others. Those who come after us, look at our lives, look at how we've taught, look at the things that we have held dear and, and valued. But we, they look at those things and it makes them e easier for them to possess what God has for them and it encourages them to serve in the kingdom, to further the kingdom themselves. Maybe even with people you've never met. <laughs> I, I talked about, I alluded to where this church began. We, we, we sit in the sanctuary and, 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 and you know, I, as a pastor, I, I haven't been here for the building of any of these buildings. Max Case was, was instrumental in at least paying off the other building and being part of that. And then Paul has built this, Paul Point One, and built that, and, and, and all these things. And, and it's moved from a, a house to here, and I am living in the benefit of that. Some of you have been around for all of that. So some of us are reaping the benefits of people that we have never even met. It's like that in life, isn't it? When you think about the people that have had influences in your life, isn't it true that, that even those people that you've had direct relationship with, hasn't there been people in their life that has encouraged and invested in them and that investment has somewhat found its way into your life? My, my great-grandfather's name was Abe Rowan. And it blows me away. I think I've shared this. Every time I think about this, I think it's crazy. My, my great-grandfather fought in the Civil War. That doesn't seem possible. I am so young uh, for that to have happened. But, but, but it, it, you know, just the timing, you know, he, my grandmother was a late in life birth, and so the timing of it had happened. But, but he was highly influential on my grandmother. A Abe was a lay pastor, and, and they lived by the Kentucky River, and they'd let people stay in their house, uh, you people on the river moving stuff. But to stay in their house, <laughs> they had to go to a church service. You know, so, so Abe would preach, and all these people would have, you know, they'd feed them, and they'd preach, and, and they'd stay in the house. And, and it, was, it was profoundly impactful on my grandmother. You know, she wrote a lot, and you'd read her, her writings, and, and, and constantly would go back to this father who led his home in this way. And I think about this, and I think about the profound impact my grandmother has made on my mother and my family and my life, and I think about how she was impacted by Abe, and Abe was dead for years before I was even born. <laughs> 
Say you will have an impact, negative or positive, on people who don't even know you or will never know you. It's overwhelming. Honestly, if we really stop and think about it, it's a bit overwhelming. It's, well, how can I make an impact? And, and, and I think we need to get back to the basics. And the, and the basics is, is not thinking about this great, big, broad legacy we're trying to build, but the daily choices, that the moment-by-moment choices we're making in our lives. Bob Sorority is teaching uh, through the book of James on our Wednesday night Bible study at 6 o'clock. He's doing a tremendous job. I'd encourage you, if, you, if you're not doing anything on Wednesdays at 6 p.m., come out. We're having a, a great conversation surrounding the book of James. You can't go wrong teaching through the book of James. It's, it's just powerful. It's practical. And Bob's doing a tremendous job. And he, he gave this, this to me uh, the other day, something they had talked about in the class. And, and it's, he says, watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And as I thought about this series, I thought maybe change the last line to this watch your character. It creates your legacy. And so the daily choices, the thoughts that you choose to have and, and the words that you choose to say and the things that the reacts, reactions that you decide to have have an impact on your legacy. See, I, I believe a good legacy is not accidental. It doesn't just happen. But a good legacy is the product of a lifetime of intentional choices. How many gardeners do we have in here? I see Sue out there. Sue, Sue is a premier gardener. Who else gardens? Who considers themselves to have a green thumb? What is the opposite of a green thumb? That is what I have. <laughs> Give me a plant. I can even kill artificial plants. Uh, that, that's how bad I am. I, we, Terry and I, we, buy, buy, we have this vision every year for our flower gardens, and so we buy plants, and the stupid things just die every year. You know, they never grow. They stay the same size. I mean, is it possible to buy a plant and plant it into the ground, and it becomes smaller than it was when it was in the pot? I don't know. You know, there's some people that are better than this than others. There's for sure. We, we was in the elevator with a lady in Indianapolis, and she was talking, her daughter was talking about a beautiful plant on her, her porch. And, and the lady, no lie, said, oh yeah, that was in a hanging pot, and it fell out of the hanging pot and just took off. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't, I can't even grow them in a hanging pot, let alone when they drop on the ground. <laughs> but think about gardening. Gardening, to be successful at it, you need to take intentional action. Right, Sue? You need to water, <laughs> you, need to, you need to weed, you, you need to put fertilizer, you, you need to take intentional action. You know, it just doesn't happen. And it's the same with our legacy. It takes intentional action. The choices I make today will affect my legacy. Now, now this is 
which is the amazing thing about our God. You know, we're in a church and we're talking spiritual premises or um, spiritual principles. And, you know, we're talking about faith and, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. But this is a principle that I believe applies across the board. And so whether you're a believer or not, I believe this is a true principle that our legacy is defined by our intentional choices. I think that reflects that we have a God who has set these universal laws in place and it applies across the board. In your finances, intentional choices will make a difference. In your family, you will have a better family life if you are intentional in the choices that you make. In your education, Spencer, this, this part of the sermon is just for you. Yeah. <laughs> In your education, the intentional choices that you make makes a difference. You're at work all across the board. When we intentionally care for our legacy, it makes a difference. But it does apply to our faith. And we're never too young to think about our legacy. Dave Ramsey, if you, if you like Dave Ramsey, we, we love Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey gives an example of um, two Two individuals uh, investing. Uh, one begins at 18 and invests until they're 25. And the numbers I have is they invest 2000 a year for those seven years. And then if there's 12% interest compounded, when they turn 65, it would be $2.3 million. Even if they didn't invest any more money after they were 25. 18-year-olds, hear me, okay? If you put $2,000 away for the next seven years, you could probably fund your retirement. Boy, nobody's excited about that. I wish I would have heard that when I was 18. How many other people wishes they would have heard that when they were 18? The power of early. Conversely, if someone starts at 25 and they put 2,000 away until 65, it only becomes $1.5 million. What's the point? Early is better. The earlier you begin thinking about these things, the better off you will be. You, you can make a difference. You can begin to set your legacy as a young person. And I see Michaela there. I don't pick on you too much. But I appreciate Michaela because I believe she has begun early to set this legacy of caring for other people. I, I see that in her. And I see a lot of our, our youth and college kids are doing that. It's important that you set that legacy early. And there's something that's weird. I don't know. I don't know what this principle is. Tell me after if I'm wrong. But, but what I perceive in my own life and what I see in other people's lives is sometimes we begin to act as other people expect us to act. And so if we're, if we're quick and we're sharp and, we, and, and we're distracted, we almost begin to, to create this barrier where we say, if I act differently, what will people think? Am I wrong? I think that's true. And so we can, early on in our lives, we begin creating a legacy that leaves something behind. We're never too old to consider our legacy. You can further your legacy, you, you can protect your legacy, or you can squander your legacy as, as we grow older. We've all seen the examples. Um, one that I think is a good one is Daniel Boone. Anybody ever read anything on Daniel Boone? 
Anybody know who Daniel Boone is? Okay, yeah. Daniel Boone, of course, was this great Kentucky frontiersman, and 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 he basically he he established Kentucky, and 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 he was given all sorts of land by the Commonwealth, and over the years he sold it and transferred it. By the time he was at the end of his life, you know, Daniel Boone didn't own one single acre in Kentucky. As a matter of fact, he was so mad about and he and he squandered it. He, he, he wasn't good with it. And he was so mad at, at the Commonwealth of Kentucky that, that he wasn't even buried in Kentucky. You know where Daniel Boone was buried? Anybody know? Missouri. He was so mad he wouldn't let him, they, he wouldn't even let him bury his dead body in Kentucky. In later years, they, they moved him back, but he had squandered all that had been given to him. If you've never read a biography, anybody, I'm telling you, read a biography of Daniel Boone, one of the most fascinating individuals, flawed individuals you'll ever, you'll ever see. Wasn't quite like the Disney television show, Daniel Boone. We see it in sports. Uh, those of you who are uh, football fans can think of Joe Paterno. Right, you know, Joe Paterno had this tremendous legacy of, uh, of philanthropy, philanthropy. I keep saying it, and football, and 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 he ruined it because of Jerry Sandusky. And you know, for for those of us in, in Buckeye fans, we you know we say, oh man, he, he's a pariah. But even even our state has uh, Woody Hayes. <laughs> Everything you know, I know you guys are true blue Ohio State fans. I say O H, you say. But even outside of Columbus, people look at Woody Hayes as the, the dingbat that hit a, an opposing football player in the head because they intercepted a pass. And he ruined his legacy in a moment. And we've seen people in our personal life. I, I knew a guy that he, he went to, to church with me as a child. He was an adult. And, you know, he was a church board guy, a Sunday school superintendent. You know, he's a leader. He is an example. And, 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 and in his 60s had a short-term affair and blew up his marriage and, and, and it just affected his legacy. You know, eventually he was restored to his wife and his family, but he was never the same. Sin can destroy your legacy. Well, what you build can destroy your legacy. And folks, it's not just sexual sin that destroys legacy. Sometimes it's attitudes and it's gossip and it's bitterness, and these things can destroy the things that you've spent your whole life building. Next two, three weeks, we're going to talk about legacy. Uh, we're going to talk about legacy in our personal relationships, our family, our friendships. We're going to talk about our, the legacy we're leaving in our church. We're going to talk about the legacy that our church is leaving in our community. You know, I'm thankful I'm thankful to be part of a church that has left an amazing legacy in this community. And I want to continue that, don't you? Now, I believe every sermon should um, have a missional action. In other words, I, I think when, when you get up from this place, there should be at least one thing that you can just absolutely do and say, okay, I am applying the sermon. And, and so the sermon in action uh, for this month is VBS. <laughs> VBS, we need you. You know, we, we can have a few that does a VBS, but if our church does a VBS, it will be profoundly affecting. You will change destinies, and you will begin to create a legacy just by volunteering a few of your hours in VBS. You say, well, Pastor, I can't, I can't do all week because I just don't like kids. <laughs> Volunteer for a few hours. 
Find somebody to share time with. Have somebody do the first hour and a half and you do the last hour. You know, find someone to, to do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and you just do Tuesday and Thursday. We need you. We need you. And not only that, but it allows you to begin putting into practice what we're talking about. You know my concern in, in the delivery of God's word in this way? It's so easy to hear and be entertained for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, two and a half hours, however long I talk, whatever. It's so easy just to be entertained, to listen, to take in, but never apply what we're talking about. And, and I think that is, I, I don't want to be too critical. It becomes almost vain repetition that I'm up here just talking and you guys are listening and we feel like we've done our spiritual duty, but that's not the point. The point of this time is to be equipped and to serve and to missionally encounter our community. And so it's important to me, and I don't feel like I do a good job all the time, but it's important to me that, that somehow what we talk about has some practical teeth. Amen? Amen. Uh, two of you agree, that's good. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. I, you. You know, pastors sit in sermons. You know, when I'm sitting listening to sermons, you know how many times I say amen? Big zero. Because, I, you know, you get, you get all zone. You guys are just so wrapped in your intention. I, <laughs> so let me ask you, are you intentionally considering your legacy? I mean, are you being intentional about this? I, I mean, th this won't just happen, but are you intentionally considering what you're leaving behind? Now, I found these questions in my prep work, and I thought these were good. It says, uh, the, the question, they had three questions to evaluate uh, what you hold true and what you value and whether you're, you're working to this, towards what you value. What does success, success look like for me? Ask yourself, what, if at the end of your life, what would you say would have to happen for you to consider your life to have been successful? Now, it's important when you, when you think of these questions, you think, okay, define that success and then begin to create steps to achieve that success, right? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? Uh, what's the reputation you want in your neighborhood? <laughs> Mary Gingrey is, is over with the kids. I want to have Mary Gingrey's reputation in my community. What about you? Amen? <laughs> if there's a better neighbor, Kenny, Shirley, is there a better neighbor in the world than Mary Gingrey? That's the kind of neighbor I want to be. What, what's your rep, what reputation do you want to, to have? What, what do you want people to say at your funeral? <laughs> I heard somebody say, oh, wait a minute, he's still breathing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's goofy. What are your three top values? What, what's most important to you? Are you living to those values? That, that's a strange thing because sometimes what we say are our values aren't what we live towards. Um, I'll give you an example. And I know no one's ever done this. I'll admit I've done this. We say family's really important, but we get home and we want to veg out with the TV and nobody even talking to us, right? Um, 
I know that's just me. Nobody else has ever had that happen to them. But, but what we value sometimes does not match with our actions. Are my choices furthering my values? So I think you leave things behind in short term and long term. When you leave a conversation, I, leave you, I think you leave something behind. So, so what's left at the conversations that you're having? <laughs> we were at um, Culver's this week, and, and, and so this lady was ordering, and they were charging her a quarter for her whipped cream. <laughs> and it was like a 10-minute diatribe on, on this 25 cents. And, you know, you've got some 17-year-old worker at the cash register like this. Yeah, they have no choice. They're just working there. And it, it, it was like they were like praising Jesus when that conversation was over. <laughs> May, may I never be someone, and, and some of you are looking at me like I may be, may I never be that person when you're so happy when the conversation's over that you're praising Jesus, you know? May we leave a conversation with something that's edifying good. That, that doesn't mean that every conversation has to be butterflies and rainbows, all right? Because sometimes you have to have hard conversations, it doesn't mean that you're Mr. Rogers all the time. And for those of you under 30, look up on your smartphone on Google who Mr. Rogers is. You don't always have to. So, sometime, sometimes in real life, you have to have hard, difficult conversations. Amen? Amen. That's life. And, and when we live with this, real, this ideal that in the church and in relationship, everything's always perfect, we're kind of missing what life's all about. <laughs> You know what unites us? You know what Jesus says unites us in the church? It's not doctrine and it's not theology, it's love. That is what unites us as the people of God. And so since we're human, we will have different opinions. Nose, opinions are what? Like noses, everybody has them. We'll have different views and different opinions. And sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll see things the same and sometimes we won't. But what unites us is love. And love allows us even to have differences of opinions in a different way. <laughs> I, I have kind of a weird view and I'm kind of getting off the topic. I'm sorry. I have a kind of different view on conflict. I don't think conflict is always bad. Conflict is an opportunity for us to rise in love above what divides us. Amen. What do you leave when you leave a conversation? What, what do you leave behind when you finish a class, kids? What do you leave behind when you leave work? What about when you leave church? You know, in my, in my pastoral role, you know where the primary place that I've heard people be hurt? Guess. Church. Isn't that crazy? Is it not true? Do, do you not all of you have friends and family that have been deeply affected and hurt in the church? I just don't think that's how God intends it. And so when you leave church today, are, are you leaving on a positive? How, how do you end your day? Are you leaving behind something positive? See, I think this is intentionally considered. And the question we ask ourselves is, how will this choice affect my legacy? What we're doing, what we're deciding, the reactions that we're having have more of an effect than just the moment. What would happen? if you intentionally considered your legacy and every action you took in your family, <laughs> husbands, 
Dads, what would happen if every time you had a conversation with your kids, you considered how that would affect the legacy of that relationship? Several years ago, we had Gary, I went to a Promise Keepers conference, and, and, and I've probably shared this, but it, it's always stuck with me. Gary Smalley had the men in the, in, the, in, the, in the stadium pluck one hair from their head. Uh, some of us, that would be difficult, I guess, but he had one hair from her head and then take off one shoe, and he had us drop the hair, and of course, you didn't hear anything. Then he had us drop the shoe, and there were nearly 60,000 men in the, um, in the, the Huger Dome at that time. And, of course, 60,000 shoes was whoom. And I'll never forget, Gary Smalley went, men, those hairs you drop are really shoes. <laughs> see, see, we need to pay attention to the things that we're saying because they have an impact on our wives, on our kids' men. Wives, it's the same. Mothers, it's the same. Those things that we're saying. What if you considered every action in your neighborhood, what you said and did with your neighbors, what, what you did at work, at school, at church? Now, I think this verse would be a good template. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 6, 33. Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Can you read that with me? Let's read it together. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What if today, the rest of this week, you said, okay, in this conversation, I will seek God first. In the choices that I make with my family, I will seek God first. In the choices I make at work, is that possible? I will seek God first. At school, how I respond to others. I will seek God first. Now, we're, we're a holiness church, and we were talking in Sunday school. What, what's the difference in our church? One of the things that I think is different in our church is we believe and we, we strive for this life where God's righteousness, God's kingdom is the primary motivating thing in our life. And every choice that we say, make and every word that we speak and, and every response that we have is colored by God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And I believe when you live in that way, you begin to create a legacy that allows others to begin to serve and possess this beautiful kingdom of God. Now, I, I think God's word requires some sort of response, and I'm not going to make you stand, but we're going to wait a couple minutes. Our altars are always available. Maybe there's something you want to talk to God about. These are great places just to meet with God. Uh, you can pray in your pews, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're just going to take a few minutes, and then we'll close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, um, right now we give you thanks. You, you um, have sent your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. You loved us enough to redeem us through the power of Jesus dying and, and raising from the dead. For, for your desire is not to condemn the world, but that the world could be saved. So Lord, you want to save us, you want to use us. Salvation is not based on anything that we do, but it's based fully on faith and grace, uh, trusting Jesus with our life. But that means more than just something we do in our mind, Lord, but it's a way we live our life. We, we live our lives in a way where our will is not supreme, but your will is supreme. What you want is what matters. 
So Lord, as Jesus says, we are called to seek first the kingdom of God. We are called first to seek your righteousness, your right way of living. And Lord, in doing so, you're able to add to us abundantly more than we're able to do on our own. And so, Lord, we live in a, in a state as we follow you, as we submit to you, where life isn't always perfect, but you are. Where, where life sometimes is difficult, but through it all, you walk beside us. You give us grace and mercy and a power to walk even in the most difficult circumstances. Lord, we, we live among people and and Lord, we have our own opinions and our own way of doing things. And, and sometimes it leads to conflict. But Lord, you can even redeem conflict in a way that brings glory to you. So Lord, I, I praise you and thank you that you are able to take this imperfect vessel. And you're able to use it in a way that brings glory and honor to you. I love you, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, for every good gift that you've given me. Lord, sometimes these good gifts have been disguised and they haven't looked so good when they've come. But Lord, each step of the way, you've taught me to trust you more and more. So Lord, I'm praying that we will um, keep our eyes firmly fixed on you to realize, Lord, every decision that we make today has an impact on our legacy, what we're leaving behind. Lord, this, um, this scripture from Proverbs isn't just for the few, but it's God's desire for his kingdom people. People whose eyes are firmly fixed on you, desiring your way and your will in their life. So Lord, I pray for um, discernment. I pray, Lord, as you give opportunity that we will see it. Our eyes will be opened. Our spirits will be quickened, and Lord, we'll be ready to serve and do whatever you'd ask us to do. Now be with these folks, Lord. They're good people. They are a blessing to me, and they're a blessing to their neighborhood, neighborhoods and their community. I pray, Lord, that you'll use them in their fullness, that your spirit will indwell them, and Lord, they will demonstrate Jesus to their community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.